all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> we're in. We're in. Rachel forgets how to intro. I didn't forget. I, I was I, waiting for a reaction. That's all. I gave a little one. You did give a little one. Yeah. All right. Tax season has taken its toll. <laughs> it's At this point, we're almost a month out of tax season. Yeah, I don't no. think I can use that as an excuse for um, much I'm, longer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give you a limb. You're being generous. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. House, housekeeping. Okay. Um, I've got a bunch of scripts that I'm getting ready. We're going to sign and send out. So if you have requested a script from me and you're listening to this on the day it comes out, you should hear from me either today or tomorrow. If you don't, please hit me up again. Because I may have forgotten. I came across the Humboldt Broncos crash and I suddenly had this thing of like, wait, did somebody Canadian ask for this? I feel like somebody Canadian so. did. Yeah, I but think I so. But I have it here, so clearly I didn't send it out. So if you're the Canadian who requested <laughs> the Humboldt Broncos. If you're the Canadian. If you are that Canadian, please reach hey. back out. And I trust you to be honest. I trust our listeners to be honest. Um, but I have a few that I'm getting ready to send out. But what, what are you going to say? Just, something? Just, just, if you're the Canadian. If you're the Canadian. Like if you're patient, be one Canadian. If you're patient zero, you have to tell us. <laughs> um, we heard from Sarah. Again? Sarah yeah, Q? Yes, Sarah Q. The Orthodox Jew from NYU. Yes, she's busy with finals. Sure. But she was really sweet and checked in. She said, hi, Rachel, David, Jesse, and Demetrius. I love that ah. we all get a greeting. Uh, once again, finals have come upon me, and while I still enjoy your podcast, I am not nearly as active a participant as I would like to be. That's okay, Sarah. Graduate. Uh, yeah, I think your I think your schooling is uh, much more important. I would think so. Than, than our dumb podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give a proper update sometime in the future. Okay. Fair enough. In the meantime, I just walked by the corner Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Remember, because mm-hmm. it's an NYU it building. It's called the Brown Building. Yes. Now, and it looks like they're building a memorial. I've attached a picture of that and also some pictures from Fire's last anniversary and also my dog, Honey Badger, because she is adorable. Oh, okay. So look at this. Nice. Here's the, it's a little hard to see in this, sure. but those are flowers there. Okay. That's the building. It looks like they're building some sort of yeah. memorial thing there. And that's Honey Badger. That is Honey Badger. Isn't Honey Badger adorable? Uh, a retriever, it looks like. Golden retriever. She looks like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Honey. Good dogs. Oh, good puppy. I can still um, find puppies adorable, oh, yeah. even if I don't want one. <laughs> yeah, I, I like dogs. I just don't want to own one. Yeah, there you go. I, mean, I don't like dogs, except in <laughs> pictures. They're very cute. And I'm sure all of our listeners who have dogs have very sweet puppies. And I love your dogs. Not just any dogs. Your dogs. So, um, Another plug for Alex um, okay. and yes. the, we've got GoFundMe, mm-hmm. Facebook fundraiser, and an Avon 
fundraiser yep. as well. Did I tell you that I ordered Avon products? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you said you were going to last week. I did. So I, I yes. assumed you had. Yes. Um, so we're. I'm going to give it a try, um, their bug spray. Yeah, why not? know how yes. I react try, to mosquitoes. I'll so. try it too. They get me. Yeah. Not as bad as they get you. No. But, uh, no. And, and that's all for our uh, back porch talk in the, in the summertime. <laughs> how we get eaten alive by mosquitoes exactly. back there. Um, we do have a patch of woods right behind our house. That we do. And it's so North Carolina is very buggy. That's, that's We're in a river the, basin. Uh, that's part of the reason why, mm-hmm. in case anybody's wondering. So it's not like a... It's not like all of Raleigh is constantly under attack from mosquitoes. <laughs> well, it but quite like a few, it. but quite a few places I think are. Yeah, There's plenty of still plenty of woods in this city. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, Thankfully, yes. So if you can, please do um, give to Alex's. Yes. Either GoFundMe or Facebook fundraiser. Even if it's two or, bucks. Yeah, or buy some Avon products because yeah, she's going to get a good kickback from it. Mm-hmm. So um, those are all great things to do. Uh, Correction corner from last week. I try so hard to keep up on these things, but much like our lost Canadian potentially <laughs> friend um, who wanted the humble uh, script, I neglected to properly keep track that Joanne was not the only one who suggested the Mont Blanc tunnel fire. Okay. Our friend James also did. So okay. thank you, James. Sorry I neglected to shout you out last week. So. Uh, a shout out after the fact on that. But it's all, it's all fixed now. It's yes. All, it's all better. Corrections corner. Yep. Um, I also wanted to, so I've mentioned Michelle who sent a whole bunch of really good research our way. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. That, legit. <laughs> because. Tr- trust, trust us. Anybody listening, if you ever want to send a topic <laughs> and research, we will accept uh, that gladly. Your odds are 100% that we will cover it. Yes. <laughs> In fact, the odds are very good it will be next week's episode because <laughs> we'll need to record pretty soon. And I don't know that I'll have the time to whip out some uh, some more research. So, But uh, Michelle is starting her own podcast okay. with her husband about... Rail disasters. Nice. Oh, is that what that new Twitter handle is? Yes. That, okay. Yes. The yes. Cornfield yep. Meat Podcast. Okay. And it, that's not M-E-A-T. It's M-E-E-T. Yes, it is. <laughs> not yep. Cornfield Meat like there's right. meat. To, it look like you can tell when you see it. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> I know I you know. Um, so her husband, I'm not sure on exactly under what context, but is apparently very knowledgeable about rail railroads. Well, that's what I, it I said get the impression on the, uh, that he what, works in rail, or, so or in transportation in some form. I yeah. would guess, but yeah. I saw like their they their liked, bio. They liked two of uh, my tweets, and I was just like, "Well, but it's I, because it's Michelle." But I didn't. Michelle's I didn't click sweet. on the actual. Oh, okay. Um, but I could see the tagline was expert on train and then it cut off. Oh, like okay. So I gotcha. Was like, oh, okay. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, this must be another disaster podcast. Yes. Like, nice. And they're, they have not debuted yet, um, but we'll keep you updated because yes. that'll be very fun and, and very cool. It's, it's fun that there's more disaster Go, podcasts yes. popping up. Hey, go for it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, right. So if we'll you, keep you, you updated uh, on that. If you enjoy what you're hearing and we assume you do, otherwise you wouldn't be listening. Right. You could be hate listening. I mean, I've, I've, I've <laughs> done guess. that. I've done that. Um, but, uh, Hey, like if you, if you enjoy listening to us and you're like, Oh, well I would do it this and this and that way. Go ahead. Go do it. Yeah. 
That's fun. Yeah, I mean, we... Absolutely. Yeah, you know, we're never going to be like, no, we, we can't have any tragedy competition. Well, and it's just like true crime. I have listened to the same topics covered by like six different podcasts sure. before. Because nobody's going to say all the, cover all, all the exact same stuff, you and know? And they're all coming from a different perspective, mm-hmm. too. So... With a different reporting style, mm-hmm. different approach. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... and Hey, the more the merrier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've gotten a couple of reverse bad things requests, so I'm just giving you a heads up on that. Yes, I already have one <laughs> okay. in mind. I've okay. just been lazy. Are you going to do episode 99? That's That was my plan. Because I can it, I can do one of Michelle's for 98. Okay. That'll be next week, and then you do I'll one do for 99. 99. I think people know what's coming, but I've just been lazy. Oh, is it the... Yeah. Okay. They'll, they'll know if they've That's, listened to the yeah. last couple. Yeah. Well, we could use a lighthearted 99th because we just... We already recorded our 100th. Yes, we did. And it's... It's heavy. It's, it is heavy. It's also just incredibly interesting. And incredibly vast. Yes. I mean... A big topic. Big, again, big topic. Again, it's... Tease, tease, tease. Yes. We could do 10 episodes on it and not cover everything. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Just to give you a, a scope of the vastness of our topics. A scope of the vastness. Yes, that's going to be our lead single. <laughs> scope of a the scope vast- of the vastness. Is that our band name, our album name, or our single name, or all three? It's all three. <laughs> it's got to be all three for it to work. <laughs> oh, do you want to tell everyone where you were last night? Uh, I was at my fourth ever Tool show. <laughs> my favorite one so far, but I've I've probably said that about everyone I've been probably. to. Um, it was in Hampton, Virginia, and I, uh, highly recommend if people, if you're a three, four hour drive from there, it, it's, it's worth it to go see a show there, whatever band pops up there to, that you enjoy. And Hampton is on the coast, right? It's kind of on, uh, one of the inlets. Yeah. In, um, in the bay. In like the Delmarva, or, like okay. just before you're getting to the Delmarva, but it's in between Newport News right. and Norfolk. Okay. And, but it was the... Stadium was there, the the Coliseum, which actually looks kind of cool. Google Hampton Coliseum. It uh-huh. has a very interesting, yeah, unique it was cool. look. Very 70s. Mm-hmm. You can tell it was <laughs> definitely built in the 70s. But uh, but there was a huge complex there. There's a convention center. There's docks. You know, There's a marina there. There's a hotel that's right there. So if you go see a show there and stay at this hotel, I think it's an Embassy Suites. You just walk across the All you have to do lot. is walk across the parking lot and you're at the show. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, my neck is going to be very sore tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's, already, it's already starting to kick in. Yeah. Basically, we found this little spot in the Coliseum because we were literally in the nosebleeds at the top. Mm-hmm. We found this uh, lighting platform that was unoccupied, and we hung out up there. Was was Zach intimating on Twitter that he didn't like Tool? No, no, no. Oh, I think he oh. was intimating like he wishes he was there. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> that surprised because the way I initially interpreted it was like, what, Zach doesn't like Tool? No, I feel like that's no, very does. much up his alley. No, he was gotcha. joking around. Gotcha. Like, aw, you bastard. He, I think he thought we were both there because oh. I tagged our podcast. Oh, no, I was... But it was, it was just me. <laughs> I got out of this one. <laughs> yes, I dragged her to the last one. Yes. But she enjoyed i was fine with it um they're very for a live show for rachel that she's not playing in, she's attending that's about as best as it's gonna get that's true (laughs) springsteen is pretty much the only one i've ever just been like this is amazing i don't care i thought that was amazing yeah i highly recommend going to see him as well absolutely but no tool was very talented i would never begrudge them their talent their musical talent was palpable I'm 
I'm very impressed with that. Their style of music is not my style of music. I'm not a headbanger. That's zero judgment on people who are. You do you, right? Um, I just don't have that much angst. <laughs> that much of that type of angst, I should say. I have anxiety. Yeah, we were uh, we were young white boys who grew up in the '90s, so we had plenty of angst. Basically, that's that's what I was like. I was like, yeah. I'm not 40 and, oh, a straight white cis male, <laughs> which is Tool's entire, like... There's quite a few of us there last they, night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of younger kids, too. So plenty yeah, of people who are probably sure. in their early 20s. I'm sure. Late yeah. teens. Yeah. So I'm glad you had a good time. I'm also glad you had your cousins and uh, and friend to go with. Yes. <laughs> My neck is is uh, yes. not going to forgive me for a couple of days, but that's okay. Well, you are 40 what now? Uh, 40, 39. <laughs> 40, 39? <laughs> yes, that's what I am. In the future, that's how they will do ages. <laughs> you, you are in the 35 to 44 age group. In the demo, yes. I'm in that demo. <laughs> I am... I, which means I am in the uh, most sought-after demo. No, that's 18 to 34. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. I'm in my last but, year of the most sought after but demo. But in terms of people who have the most money, that's, mm. that's the demo I'm in. You, it used to be the demo with the most money. Now it's the boomers who are That's true. Of. It's people who are 70s yeah. who they don't advertise to anymore. Anyway, <laughs> um, out of advertising corner. So we've had advertising corner, back porch corner. Oh, we're going to have so many corners in our actual episode, okay. too. This is just full of corners. Watch your legs. So, I say legs because I always hit my legs on the corner of this very dresser in our yep. bedroom. But anyway. yeah, you've damaged yourself a couple of times on that one. Gigantic bruises on my legs, yes. So, are we ready? I believe so. Okay. I'm pretty sure the audience is ready. <laughs> like, um, you just fucking get to it already. This is the story. Well, they know what it, this is. You're the only one who doesn't right now. This is the story... Of the Valdivia earthquake. Okay. Okay, so we're earthquaking it up today. We have done two other. Um, what else did we do? We did the do? Mexico City earthquake yes. in 1985. Yes. Actually, that might be the only one. Because we did uh, we did eruptions. We did Vesuvius mm-hmm. and... Um, Another one. That was oh, like the year without a summer ago. one. Well, that was Pompeii. Mm-hmm. We, did, we did Vesuvius, but... Um, but anyway. God, we were just talking about how we can't remember what in the fuck we've covered before. And now anyway. We, now we've proven it. Yes. <laughs> so where does this so, happen? So, on May 22nd, 1960, the most powerful earthquake ever recorded. Oh, this is Alaska? Took place in, good guess, but Chile. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Killing between, and we'll get into the death toll oh, here, sure it's, yeah. roughly 500 to 6,000 people. <laughs> I know, that's a wide range. Yeah. We'll get into that. We'll yeah. get into that. So I'm not buying that number either, <laughs> any of those numbers. Well, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Okay. There's actually a decent reason for why this might be lower than anticipated. There's a lot of stuff in this. There's a lot to ep- unpack. There's a lot to unpack, yes. Um, so, shout out. I'm pretty sure there's only one person who suggested this. If not, let me know. I'll correct it next week. But uh, this w- this topic was suggested by Eric, 
who has given me a lot of good topic suggestions. And this was a recent one. I looked into it and I was like, oh, this would fit in good right now. So thank you, Eric. So we're adding to our South American disasters again, right? Ah, yes, we've we are. been a little light on the South American been. disasters. So we're That's adding some more in. Two out of three. Yes. Because two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> who did that song? Uh, meatloaf. <laughs> It's actually a good song. I remember hearing that on um, a a record commercial back in the day. Oh, I'm sure. Two out of of three. three If if you went to a wedding in the late '70s or '80s, you Mm. fucking heard that song. You heard it too often to the point where you know I don't want to hear it for like ten years, (laughs) and then like fifteen years goes by and you hear it again. You're like, oh, that's a good song. Not bad. Yeah. If if I hear it once a year, it's still good. Uh huh. It's like the overexposure makes it less oh, yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, I get that. I remember just hanging out at weddings with my little junior mullet and hearing that fucking <laughs> song, just being like, "This is terrible." Junior will mullet. somebody will somebody please play some poison? <laughs> like the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff <laughs> and Def Leppard, please. So, let's travel to our geography corner once again. Our first corner of the story. So, Chile or more accurately, the Republic of Chile, is that skinny, long country on the southwest coast of South America. And when I say long, I mean it is long. It is 2,653 miles long. Wow. Or kilometers, that's 4,270. So it, Holy shit. It's really That's longer long. than the either of our coastlines. I think so. It it's almost as long as our country is wide. Yeah, probably. Our yeah. Country's roughly like 3000. 3, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um it's kind of skinny east to west. Sure. It averages only about 110 miles or 177 yeah, kilometers that's, wide. That's, it's that's nothing. Skinny little sliver, right? It's from like here to Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like really. Yeah. Just about. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Um, so because it's so long and literally goes from like up near the equator to basically Antarctica are very close to Antarctica is how far south Chile oh, goes. Shit. You know how at the end of mm-hmm. South America there, there's that was, little curve? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Chile. Wow. So, yeah. So they have some extreme differences yes, in exactly. uh, climate, depending on where you live. Varied climate and varied topography. Exactly. Easter Island is off the coast of Chile. So, oh, but, that's where it, okay. But when I say off the coast, it's the same way that Hawaii yeah. is off the it's coast like of the U.S. It's, it's a way, it's a way. <laughs> they just exactly. laid claim to it. They're like, that's ours. Right. We'll take the island with the weird statues That's on a it. place I would love to go as Easter Island. I would too. The Galapagos and Easter Island yeah. are on my bucket list. That would be amazing. Probably be a rough journey to get there, but. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do they serve vegan food? I don't think so. You'll be eating a little. Lara bars. I'll no, subsist on Lara bars. That or the grass. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, a, so. like a cow. Well, stone is uh, vegan. I get to see the go. stone. <laughs> like, yeah, like that'd the, be great. Like the one character in the never ending story, the, the big stone guy. I remember, I only saw that once. You did. I don't remember it all. Never that ending well. story fans will know who I'm talking about. Yeah, basically, any child of the 80s will yep. know it. So. So the epicenter of this earthquake was about 160 kilometers or 100 miles off the coast, off the west coast of Chile, roughly parallel to the town of Valdivia, which is why it was called the Valdivia earthquake. Also, because Valdivia was basically the most um, affected city. Now, I say Valdivia. I wonder if I'm saying that right. 
Valdivia. Valdivia. Probably something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds better. Yeah. So Santiago, the capital of Chile, which do you know what that translates to? I did not know. Mm-mm. Santiago uh, translates to St. James. Oh. In English. I didn't know that. But anyway. Um, so Santiago is roughly north to south, halfway on in Chile. Okay. So like, you know, roughly halfway up the coast or halfway down the coast. So it's pretty central. And then Valdivia is another 850 kilometers or 530 miles south of that along the coast. So sort of south-ish Chile, but not south-central Chile, I guess, yeah. and, uh, sort of-ish. Anyway. The southern region. Kind of, yeah. A little, yeah mostly. Yeah. It's kind of like, where does Virginia exactly fit? Is it in the north? Is it in the south? Well, then, like, you, then you have all of the appendage of Florida. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to visualize. Anyone can Google map it. So you're welcome to Google map it. But Come up with your own conclusion. Yeah, exactly. As to where it is. <laughs> your own description. Yes. So now that was our little geography corner. Let's go over to our very short history corner and talk about Chile a little bit. Yeah, it only goes back like 20 years. Uh, (laughs) No, like not even close. I'm kidding, like as far as Chile. Why why was that funny? I just said it only goes back like 20 years. But it doesn't, like... It was was just a dumb (laughs) joke. It's like, I know Chile's pretty old. Oh, okay. You'd think that by episode 97, <laughs> you would have learned that I don't get your jokes, and I would have learned to just play along. Exactly. <laughs> so neither of us have learned the fucking thing, essentially. Nope. <laughs> so moving on. <laughs> moving on. So this earthquake happened in 1960, and Chile, like many countries in South America, has a fun history of coups. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, specifically, in the early 20th century, Chile had basically slid into a system, listen to this, that protected the interests of a ruling oligarchy. Does this sound familiar? It does, just a <laughs> there little. There are some parallels. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> um, and so naturally, the working and middle classes were none too thrilled with that. So in the 1920s, they elected Arturo Alessandri to the presidency. Uh, he was like the, the working class man's sure. choice for president sort of thing. And Alessandri ended up serving as president of Chile uh, from 1920 to 1925, and then 1932 to 38. So that's two pretty good runs, I would say, for a volatile volatile country. It was an interesting thing. So he was a member of the Liberal Party, but the Chilean Congress during his first term was mostly controlled by conservatives. Again, are we seeing any similarities here? Um, So. A group of military officers ended up basically like strong arming Alessandri and the Congress. And then that just made Alessandri be like, throw up his hands and be like, fuck this, I'm out. So he resigned. So that's why he had like a four year term and a one year partial term kind of thing. Uh, But then Congress wouldn't let him. The Congress literally wouldn't let him resign. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I didn't know that that was a thing that they could decide. Nobody wants your job. You're staying. (laughs) So they would only let him have a leave of absence for six months, right? For six months. That's quite a leave of absence. Like, I'm going to leave the country alone for 
six right? months. I'm only the leader of it. But it kind of got resolved for him, but sure. not in a good way. Uh, so, not. um, a military... <laughs> does, it, does it ever? A military junta was in power in the meantime. Yeah. So, of course, they staged a coup, led to a dictatorship, and a highly unstable political period until 1932 when Alessandri was re-elected. And at that point, a very strong middle-class party called the Radicals, because middle-class is radical in some cases. Um, So they emerged and became the driving force of political life in Chile for about 20 years. Basically like a um, center, slightly left political party was the way it went. By the time 1958 rolled around, the newly elected president of Chile was Alessandri, but not Arturo. It was his son, Jorge Alessandri Rodriguez. I'm not going to step on your toes, but mm-hmm. I do know where this winds up if I think you're Oh, I'm just where... stopping at 1960. Oh. Oh, so okay. let me finish this paragraph sure. and then you can add stuff if you want. So in 1960, this is the political background of Chile, and another important thing to keep in mind of sort of the socio-political status of the time. Status? I don't know how (laughs) I ended up pronouncing it like that. That was really weird. That was such a random pronunciation. I sounded like I was having a stroke. Um, (laughs) What? Why is that funny? Because that is is what it sounded like. It is. It was weird. It It was super weird. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) It was the height of the Cold War. Yes, it was. So that will become pertinent later. Okay, what were you going to say about Alessandri? Uh, I believe a few years after this, I think under JFK, or or if not, it was under LBJ, um, we staged a coup on Chile. Really? And I believe overthrew this guy's son. Jorge Alessandri. And put in power uh, um, Augusto Pinochet. Who was like a, not necessarily a communist, more like a fascist. Social, a left, like too far left sort of thing. No, too far right. Oh, too far fascist. Sorry, yes. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. I believe that's what happened. That is what happened. I did not research it. I am unaware. Yeah. Well, because it didn't happen by 1960. Yeah, exactly. So. But, uh. Uh, politics corner, if you will. Okay. Well, we had our little, (laughs) um. Coup corner. Coup corner. (laughs) I like that corner. So we had our little uh, geography corner, our short history corner, political corner, our coup corner. <laughs> Back porch corner. <laughs> Back porch corner. Now it's time for topography corner. I'm sure the topography of uh, Chile is very... Well, we're specifically going to be talking about the tectonic topography Ooh, Yeah. around Chile, so... yeah. Um, Being that this is an earthquake and all. Yeah, right. So Chile is of particular interest to seismologists or people who study earthquakes because of what is under it just off the coast. So a lot of places in the world where there's a lot of earthquake activity is because there are two major tectonic plates that meet, right? Well, under Chile, there are not two but three tectonic plates that converge. And that's called a triple junction, uh, which... That just doesn't sound good. Well, and interestingly, that term triple junction didn't get coined by geologists until 1969. So even that term wasn't around when this earthquake happened. But I'm guessing it was still known that there was this, uh, these particular tectonic topography peculiarities. So this... For your viewing pleasure, 
I'm talking to Dave, everybody. <laughs> Solely my uh-huh. pleasure, <laughs> unfortunately. Is a diagram of all of the plates, actually. Uh, the major plates. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are tiny ones, like you can see yeah. itty-bitty parts here but and there. Still, but still, that's... Yeah. So, um, like, for example, here's the San Andreas Fault right mm-hmm. along California, as you can see, um, or the west coast of the U.S. Well... Off the coast of Chile, you can see the Nazca Plate, which is sort of off the west coast of central South America. Mm-hmm. Um, the Antarctic Plate, which is enormous mm-hmm. it's huge. and pretty much covers the, the south part of the globe. And then the South American Plate, which contains the entire continent, as well as much of the Atlantic Ocean to its east. So those are the three plates we're talking about here. Yeah, and then this... you can keep that because that illustration is coming in next. Isn't that interesting, though, to see what's under us? It's crazy that people even discovered this and figured it out. And, I mean, that's the that's We're the able part to map that, it? Right, I know. That's the part that gets me. Like, who? Like the first person who comes up with anything, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, how did you do that? Hey, yeah, how did you figure this out? It's, it's pretty amazing. I agree. So now, which also means we are—we have never felt what it feels like no. to be the one to come up with yeah, something. Yeah, it means we're completely unoriginal. But <laughs> so interestingly, of the fifty or so tectonic plates in the Earth, there are about one hundred triple junctions. So there's multiple places sure. where these three plates meet. I mean, I can just look see right there. I can just see yeah, a couple offhand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and those are those junctions are classified according to how the three plates interact. So there's basically three things that can happen. Wait a second. Where did I get into that? I deleted it. Why did I delete that? Rachel. I'm sorry. I'm getting upset at past me. So I'm going to try and describe the three types of movement that plates can have with each other. So they can move towards each other, converge, right? They can move apart from each other, and they can slide past each other. So those are like the... I'm sure my hand movements were very helpful for everybody. So the triple junction off of Chile is one in which the Nazca plate, which I mentioned before, and the South American plates uh, are converging. So they're moving towards each other, and they're actually doing it at a pretty accelerated rate currently, 80 millimeters per year, which is about three inches or eight centimeters. But that's actually, now it sounds like a tiny, tiny little bit, right? Like three inches is nothing. That's what she said. (laughs) Um, But it's one of the fastest movement. (laughs) It's one of the fastest movements of convergence of any tectonic plates on Earth. So even though it doesn't sound like it's moving very quickly, it, it is of the fastest converging uh, tectonic plates. There's also the uh, Juan de Fuca plate. Juan de Fuca. Juan de Fuca. That's just off, like, was that BC? Yeah, but I'm going to change my name, I think, now to Juan de Fuca. <laughs> Juan de Fuca. Count, I'll be Count Juan de Fuca. <laughs> like Count von Hindenburg? Uh, yes. <laughs> So as these two plates are converging, the Nazca plate and the South American plate, the Nazca plate is subducting or sliding underneath the South American plate. And you can see an illustration here of what that does. So 
This being the triple junction, there is another plate involved, the Antarctic plate, which is also subducting or sliding under the South American plate, but at a much slower rate, only 20 millimeters a year or so, or like two centimeters. So when one tectonic plate is subducting or like burrowing under another, that area is called a trench. Like if you ever heard of the Marianas Trench mm-hmm. or the Mariana yeah. Trench, uh, that's the deepest point in the ocean ever measured, and that is as a result of subduction. Trenches serve a really interesting purpose in geology that Akshay can properly explain, I'm sure, and that I'm just going to give the Wikipedia version of. So they essentially consume or destroy parts of the ocean crust, the Earth's crust, But then new ocean crust is formed at mid-oceanic ridges where the points uh, where the plates are moving apart. And those are basically, they become um, undersea mountain ranges because when the plates separate, magma rises from the center of the earth, cools, and creates these ridges. This is the super, oh my god, basic version because, like, I don't even know what's in the center of the earth. I don't know this shit. Magma. I was a fucking homeschooler. Um, that is not to slag off homeschoolers. Just I homeschooled myself. So I know the quality of education I got because it was from my Because it, it was your own. Exactly. Literally. Yes. So generally, because ridges and trenches are formed in different ways, they aren't too close to each other. But in the case of the triple junction off the coast of Chile, they're a lot closer than they usually are. And when a ridge and a trench collide it can be really cataclysmic. Why? I don't know. I didn't look that up. But... I believe it's because of its pressure. Probably. I think that's the main... We'll say that, yeah. You have transfer of energy, essentially. Sure. And all that pressure shoots up. Sure. I believe that's the reason why. That sounds good to me. And I also believe, I don't know if you have this in here or not, that when two plates slide against each other, Mm -hmm. rather than one subducting, the sliding against each other is what causes, generally causes the more volatile earthquakes. Mm, I do not have that in here because that, to my knowledge, was not involved in this earthquake. Okay. But that's interesting to note. We will get into... other earthquakes, obviously, in the future. Sometimes when we cover the first of something or whatever, because this is going to lead to the first of something, um, I, I don't want to give away all the information about sure. us. Because I want to have something to waste time on the history. Yes, exactly. so, so, yeah. So, to be fair. <laughs> uh what the fuck was I trying to say here? Sorry, I'm trying to make sense of my own writing. Let's <laughs> done this part quick. I'm just... Did you copy and paste? No, I... No, I I'm, never copy and paste. The <laughs> only thing I copied and pasted in this week's um, uh, research was an enye because I couldn't figure out how to keystroke it. So, anyway. Good on you. <laughs> I'm just going to skip that last sentence because I can't figure out what it means. So... Let's get into the earthquake. So, very interestingly, the Valdivia earthquake was one of a series of earthquakes. There, that, because, and I didn't actually get into what happened much after it as far as earthquakes go, but there was a series of earthquakes in this area between May 21st and June 6th of 1960. Multiple earthquakes. Wait, that makes sense. I mean, there, with any earthquake, there are going to be aftershocks. And right. Some- 
a lot of times if it's a big enough earthquake, the aftershocks will register. Can be huge, too. Yeah. Well, in this case, there were three foreshocks. Oh, okay. Leading up to it. That's also Mm -hmm. what happened in Mexico City. Okay, yeah. So on May... 85 Mexico City. Yeah. Because they had one in 2017 as well. (laughs) So on May 21st and May 22nd, there were a series of three foreshocks. Um, But they weren't tremors. These were legit earthquakes. So the first was on May 21st, around 6 o'clock in the morning local time, near Cañete, Chile, not far from Lumaco. Uh, I had a reference to Lamaco that I deleted earlier, so just suffice it to say it's all in the same general region, right? And pretty close to Concepcion, which was which is one of the nearest biggest cities in this region. It measured. Oh, sorry. Uh, da, da, da. I'm doing terrible with my organization. I'm sorry. Okay. So this first earthquake only lasted about 35 seconds, but it killed 125 people Uh, in that time. 35 seconds is a long time for an earthquake. I guess you're right. I guess I'm thinking 35 seconds just as like general time period, but you're Uh, right. That that is a while. Yeah. So it lasted 35 minutes. Or sorry. Seconds. Seconds. 35 minutes would be pretty. We'd all be dead. Should I get you another beer? I don't know why I'm so tired. Sorry. It's not drunkenness. It's fatigue. Uh, Anyway, so 125 people died, and it leveled about a third of the buildings in Concepcion. So it was, this is a foreshock. This is a foreshock. Jesus. um, It measured an 8.1. Holy shit. On the Richter scale. Yeah. And something worse was on its way? Holy fuck. Oh, just you wait. So a quick reminder of the Richter scale. I forget if we've gone into this or not. Maybe. So as anything a seven and above is basically considered a major a major yeah. earthquake. Once you get in the eights and nines, you're talking about yeah. basically lots of devastation. When you're even when you're in the sixes, you're that's gonna cause a lot of damage. Oh, damage can start much earlier. Yeah. It's just the but difference between amount. damage and yeah. Like the last earthquake in San Francisco, the eighty nine one, I uh-huh. think was only like a six something. Really? Yes. And what, look was what, the, it did. what was the what was the night? What was it, 09 or the... 1906, oh, I six, think. yeah. I think it might have been something like the same. Oh, okay. But it was well. enough to... Oh, sure. Fuck everything up. Sure, sure. Um, so anything 7 and up is considered major. Anything 9 or up is basically, oh, okay, just, just everything's leveled. Yeah. So that was the first foreshock. Jesus Christ. The first one. The first one. Just about 24 hours later, at 6.30 a.m. on May 22nd, the second foreshock happened, a 7.1. And then a third one happened just before 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the same day, May 22nd, as a 7.8. My God. Yeah. So those are three major earthquakes in about 32 hours. And all had epicenters very near to each other in the same general area. And then came the big one. Oh, my God. So at 3.11 p.m., only about 15 minutes after that third foreshock. <sighs> you mean the 7.8? Right. Right. Foreshock, yeah. <sighs> Fucking Christ. The Valdivia earthquake hit Chile with its epicenter near Lumaco. Again, I wish I had <laughs> mentioned more where Lumaco is. But anyway, it was basically off the coast of Chile near Valdivia. Its magnitude is estimated... To have been 
about a 9.5. Jesus a 9.5. Between re- 9.4 and 9.6. And the reason they had to estimate that is because it fucking broke all the equipment. Plus, we're talking 1960 in a more rural area. Yeah, I, I, I mean, even so, that's it's that's pretty nuts. it's pretty um, determined by now that it was about a 9.5. So yeah, Holy making it the most powerful single earthquake ever recorded sure. on Earth. Sure. And now there are thoughts that there have been similar or stronger earthquakes in the very distant past, but yeah. Its effects were felt by people within a more than 400,000 square kilometer or 150,000 square mile region. So people were feeling the effects. Remember when that, um, I feel like we've talked about this before, but remember when that one hit Virginia? Um, God, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. That little tiny one you're talking about? Well, yeah, it was a tiny earthquake, but we could feel it here. Yeah, we could. And it happened near D.C. Yeah. So imagine a tiny, uh, like a meh, little earthquake that we could feel all the way to here. That's true. So this was just um, one survivor of... Probably feel it throughout the whole damn continent. Well, um, so one of the one survivor of the earthquake, a 22-year-old man named Jose Aragomedo, said he initially thought, and this is where history comes back in, a nuclear bomb had been dropped. Oh, no shit. They, these were tense days. This is 1960. Days. These were tense days. Apparently, Khrushchev had just made some threatening comments. Kennedy, this is May 1960? Yes, he so wasn't elected Kennedy yet. is not in office yet. He's running. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yes, it would have been Khrushchev, and there was all sorts of fuckery going on. There, yes. There, there always has been all sorts of fuckery going yes. on in South America. So, yeah, that probably was their first... Yeah, they were like, shit, this it's, is it's, a big one. It's finally happened. Yeah, this is the bomb. That, that nuclear war everybody's been talking about, here, here it is. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. So, obviously, the destruction to structures was oh, massive. Oh, yeah. And it is thought that Jeez. many people, although the exact numbers are not known, um were killed in the earthquake itself because we're going to get into the next phase of this because this was not the main issue of this disaster. The earthquake itself was only one part of this tragedy. The biggest consequence with the biggest death toll came from the tsunami. Oh, of, of course. Yeah, they're on the fucking coast. This is all happening in the ocean. Jesus Christ. So, because we haven't, we haven't gotten into the, we haven't covered the Boxing Day tsunami yet, the 2004 no, tsunami, which we will one, one day. So we've got but, an 8.2, like a 7.1, a 7.8, then a 9.5 estimated. Yeah. Happening within a day and a half, roughly. Yeah, like 36, less than 36 hours, yeah. And then, just for kicks, just let's for a bonus, a let's, let's put a tsunami at, holy fuck. This was bad. How are there not millions of people dead? We're going to get into that. Yep. Because the um, Boxing Day, the 2004 tsunami. Almost half a million. Yeah. Estimated. Low low estimates are a quarter million people. So, yeah, that's a good question. Why? We're going to get into that. Oh, shit. So. Fucking. Okay. A tsunami. Yeah, absolutely. So the main port at Valdivia saw the water rise, the water level rise Four meters or 13 feet immediately after the earthquake, right? But then the scary part happened. The water receded. Of course. So, because this, I believe, is our first tsunami. 
Am I remembering that correctly? Or have we talked about I one? I thought we did one. I think we've done one. I want to say we have. That's horrible. We can't remember. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let, let's talk <laughs> if, about tsunamis. Let's pretend we, it's our first. If we have, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys would remember <laughs> you better would, than us, apparently. You, you would. So, so let's talk about tsunamis for a second. So... A tsunami is a pretty easy to understand phenomenon. Basically, when all of this movement of the tectonic plates is happening and the sudden burst of energy from it, um, it it displaces water. That's really all it is, is a displacement of water. Didn't we do one like right off the northeast coast of Africa? I don't remember. I think we did. I think I that was remember. kind I'm of sorry. somewhere around there. God, I don't remember. That's awful. I'm just looking at this map thinking, I think we have done one. But remember. but anyway. I'm sorry. Not not I to beat not, not to beat a dead horse. <laughs> we don't remember shit, obviously. Apparently. And we haven't learned anything from each other. <laughs> no. <laughs> those, those are the morals of this episode. <laughs> so uh, an earthquake displaces water. Oh, fuck yeah. But so just like when you get into a bathtub, like you're displacing mm-hmm. water, the water level rises and there's little, little splashes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, except that, but in the biggest ocean in the world, because this is the Pacific ocean, essentially displacing an ocean. That, that's a little bit different. And this is the Pacific ocean. <laughs> the Pacific Christ. ocean is the largest ocean in the earth <laughs> on the earth. <laughs> Well, technically in the earth, it still works. Uh, All right. So, unfortunately, because of the sheer size of the plates in question, the water was so suddenly, so violently, and so very displaced that it caused massive waves to crash onto land. We'll get into, like when we get into the Boxing Day tsunami or whatever our next tsunami is going to be, We'll get into, like, wavelength as it pertains Mm -hmm. to, and wave behavior as it pertains to water. Plus, there's plenty of video evidence of it happening for the Boxing Day. So that was something something that people could actually study. Yep. Yep. Um, So, but, like I said, the scary part was that the water receded. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and you can see that, that in a lot that of Boxing means, Day tsunamis. Literally means it's just getting sucked up to get spit back out again. Well, basically, yeah. So it looks like the tide's going out mm-hmm. very quickly and very far. It's and that's why um, the old. Have you ever heard of a tidal wave? Oh yeah. That, that's yeah. an old term for a tsunami. Oh, okay. It, that's what a, a tidal wave is. Yeah. But they they dropped that term in favor of a tsunami because tidal wave made it sound like the tide was actually involved. It's not. It's just the effects seem similar to a tide, but it's not about the tide and the moon and all that stuff. So anyway. Either way, the effects really suck. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you ever want to be caught up in. Right. So basically, like any wave of water, there are peaks and there are troughs in a tsunami. And so sometimes the first trough is seen before the peak. Okay. So that's why the water goes out. That's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. But then when the wave comes, it is just a metric shit ton of water, and it arrives with massive amount of force and is incredibly destructive. And it has so much momentum. Yes, yes. So at 3.20 p.m., nine minutes after the earthquake, Chile was the first and we'll get into the rest, oh, yeah, the first yeah. to feel the effects of the tsunami as a wave of 
eight meters or 26 feet. Shit. Oh, it gets worse. Don't worry. Hit the coast between Concepcion and Chiloé, an island to the south of Valdivia. And Valdivia is about halfway between Concepcion and Chile. Ten minutes later, a wave of 10 meters or 33 feet hit. One source I f- in one source, I found reference to the fact that waves as high as 25 meters or 82 I, feet. I don't even want to imagine what the fuck that would look like. Just to put this into perspective, and again, not to go back again and again to the Boxing Day tsunami, but the largest waves observed, observed in the um, 2004 tsunami were as high as 100 feet. Really? Over 10 meters. No shit. That's 10 I stories. I didn't know that. That's a 10-story building. Coming at you. Of water. <laughs> That's a 10-story building chasing you down. And water. I mean, think of the number of times you've been hit down by just like a, what feels like a pretty powerful wave when you're like in the ocean. Yeah. It's happened, and that's it's happened nothing. plenty of times. That's nothing. Yeah. So imagine that except 10 stories high. That's just ridiculous. So it's estimated that between 120 and 200 people died in Chile because of the tsunami. Now, that sounds pretty low, doesn't it, considering how massive this was? Um, Many lives were saved by people understanding the effects of an earthquake. Remember, this place, this this area was... They were used to him in a sense. Yeah, or at least had, had an understanding. some sort of preparation for him. Had an understanding, exactly. Yeah. So people understood, oh shit, there was an earthquake. Now we need to get to higher ground. So a lot of people did and were saved as a result. Good. So, yeah. Another thing that I'll get into a little later on is that this isn't a hugely populated area necessarily. That's kind of what I was right. guessing, given right. the size of Chile. I didn't right. know it was that big, mm-hmm. but I can see how there would be, if it's close to Antarctica. And this isn't Santiago, some... Chile. This isn't like the capital. Right. There are some larger cities, but still. Yeah, I can see yeah. that this would be probably a sparsely populated area. And it's 1962, so we're not even talking about modern day Chile. So, uh, um. So the damage to structures was massive. Parts of people's houses were washed inland as far as two miles. So that's just, yeah. And this was just the beginning of this tsunami. So the earthquake was right off Chile. So Chile was the first to feel the effects of the tsunami. But it was not the only country impacted. The tsunami traveled very quickly, as in hundreds of kilometers kilometers per hour. Jesus. This, this thing moved through the Pacific Ocean, this gigantic body of water, um, and hours later began to pound the coasts of other Pacific countries. So I'm going to show you the, the time chart. Holy fuck. And the severity chart. So this is that looks pretty bad. This is how many hours it took to reach each place. So that's five hours, ten hours, fifteen hours, etc. Obviously, the severity lessens the farther out you go. And then here's showing, like obviously, the black means it's very severe. Red and so forth is worse. But look at how it affected almost everywhere. The black means that the Earth just got really upset. Yeah. And like tore itself a new hole. But look, there's only like two places that were relatively unaffected: the Atlantic, Mm -hmm. most of the northernish Atlantic, 
And then this little spot kind of south of Africa. So everywhere south else. Southeast of Africa. But the, that's the thing, too, because this is going out. Because mm-hmm. the energy is spreading it out and it's mm-hmm. also spreading it inland as well. It's going yes. two different directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it actually crept up a, along the eastern oh, side of it did. South America. Well, too. yeah, you can see that here. Yeah. Um, but you this hope that whole it did. <laughs> but this whole time, uh-huh. it's just gathering momentum, and it gathers enough to keep going that it reaches the whole west coast of the yep. United States. Yep. It reaches uh, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, New I Zealand. mean. Japan, which we'll talk about in a minute. I mean, that's there's a, crazy. There's an an in, really interesting YouTube video that shows this in sort of like an illustrated fashion, sure. where a, an animated fashion um, by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Right, mm-hmm. that's yes. what NOAA yep. stands for. Yep. Yes, um, shows this like actually spreading and happening. So they yeah. were they were one of the agencies in charge of a. Uh, uh, the Valdez. Spell. Yes. Yeah. So uh, there was, because this took hours to spread to other coastlines, there was time for warnings. Sure. And warnings did happen. I hope We're so. We're talking 1960, but there's plenty of communication abilities at that point. There at this time, there's most likely, because there's a decent amount of people that have a TV in 1960, but definitely everybody has a radio. Radio and telegraph, mm-hmm. all that and stuff. The, and there is so, an emergency alert system on yes, radio. Yes, and municipalities were being uh, warned about what was going on so that they could then in- implement their emergency like get ready. responses. Exactly. So... The hardest hit area after Chile was Hawaii. Sure. Hawaii had just become a state the year before. Yes, it had. So, That's right. Yeah, interestingly. So the tsunami arrived at in Hawaii almost 15 hours after the earthquake, and it battered the island of Hawaii, the big island as it's known, and especially the town of Hilo which is the biggest city or biggest town in Hawaii County. The tsunami had traveled a long ways to get there, but it didn't really lose much of its power. Waves at Hilo were measured at over 10 meters. Jesus Christ. Yep. 61 people in Hawaii were killed. Wow. And further millions of dollars of damages were done. Many lives were saved in Hawaii by the fact that alarms had been going off every 20 minutes for over three hours prior to the tsunami arriving. There was a a big warning system. Some of the deaths were caused by confusion as to what it actually meant. Or where to go. Where to go and people not... Like, how many times do you hear a fire alarm go off and you're like, oh, should we do anything? You know? And that's bullshit. We need to just assume and get the fuck out. Like when we heard the... um, the, the warning that we didn't, we never talked about that. When we went to Myrtle Beach a few weeks ago, uh, there was oh, some really severe right. weather. Yes, that's right. The tornado and warnings. tornado warnings. And at one point, our phones went off with one of those emergency alerts that literally said, like, tornadoes in the area take cover. Like, be like, prepared. Like, it was telling you to, mm-hmm. to take shelter immediately. And so we... We figured we'd be poor disaster podcasters if we didn't. <laughs> if we did, yes. If we, we didn't listen. <laughs> we left, what were we staying on, like the 10th floor or something? I think so, yeah. We went down to the ground level to just be like, okay, and literally no one else was responding no. at all. Nobody. 
Um, so because we were just trying to figure out, okay, if this hits, where are we right, going to go? We kind of had because there was no basement, right? But there were some more fortified areas. Yeah. So we kind of developed a plan. Decided to just kind of keep an eye on things, mm-hmm. and then went back up, and nothing happened. Obviously, we're still here, but. But yeah, it's confusing to a lot of people. Like, and how many false alarms happen? It's, sure. it's hard. I get it. But yeah, react. <laughs> react when you hear a, an alarm. Better to be the idiot who thought something was happening and you're not the idiot, you're the smart one, frankly, than to be the idiot who gets hurt because hurt or killed because they thought that it was a false alarm. Anyway, so. Uh, Hawaii got damaged badly, but the tsunami was still not done, still kept going. It basically affected most of the world, especially the Pacific side of the world. Property damage was done in just about every coast on the Pacific side of the world. The west coast of the states of the U.S., the east coast of Asia, New Zealand, Australia, and the Philippines. It's even reaching the southern tip of Alaska. You can see on that one. I mean, that's... Uh-huh. Actually, it's, it's reaching it's reaching right where Valdez, where the Valdez oil spill well, happened. And look at all in that little place. part. It's basically everywhere. 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 There's not all that much uh, uh, water in the world that wasn't affected by this. I mean, this was a 9.5 earthquake in the, the ocean. In the uh, essentially. Yes. And and the single most high high magnitude earthquake ever recorded. Like that's 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 that, that's it's awful. That's holy shit. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Plus, it's going so, on at the height of the Cold War, so people's yeah, first reaction is, oh, we're at nuclear nuke. war. Yeah, exactly. Rightfully so. Japan suffered casualties as well, with some waves uh, from the tsunami reaching 14 feet or better. I actually heard that they were pushing the 33 feet there, too. There's, there was different accounts of that. But again, warnings were given the area in the area, so it could have been much worse. So... That's the main takeaway if you're like, well, how could it have only killed at worst like six or seven thousand people? It's because one, um, the main area, well, no, one, the main area was not as highly populated as you would think. And then there was ample warning for everybody else. Doesn't mean there were no casualties, it just kept it low, which is amazing. That's not going to help your property damage, no, but it is going to help your body count. So it'll help your life, yes. Now, the tsunami was not the only effect, after effect, of this earthquake. Multiple landslides were caused by the earthquake. Thankfully, most were in very remote parts of the Andes, so it actually did very little damage to people or property. But one (laughs) (laughs) one landslide did block a dam for the San Pedro River, which drains the Renihu Lake, which is inland from Valdivia. So this is all happening in the basically the same region, right? So because of this block dam, there was a major concern that the lake would flood because that's how sure. it drained. Yeah. And about 100,000 people lived within an area of concern from that flooding. So there, this was a major issue, but there was a quick civil and military response and they basically were able to fortify and control the area, and good. they staved off the flooding. So, again, good emergency response, 
led to it, saving lives. Yes, what could have been a big they they evacuated people. They worked just, on it, and it worked. Just the whole point of an emergency response, <laughs> right? It, it actually worked. Yeah, a coordinated one, anyway, is right? To save lives. Exactly. Now, the earthquake also call, caused a sash. I have no idea what that is. A sash? I didn't know until today when I finished up this research. Okay. I've never heard of a sash. Um, it is pronounced S-E- Or, sorry. It is spelled... Oh, my God. I'm struggling. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is spelled S-E-I-C-H-E, but it's pronounced sash. Oh, trust I, me, because I looked it up. Yeah, I would have said psych. Yeah, but it's sash. Yeah, trust okay. me. I looked it up. I looked it up. So, a sash is a phenomenon that actually is pretty easy to like demonstrate and understand. But it happens in inland bodies of water, so lakes, but it can also happen in bays. Sure. Um, rivers. Not rivers no. so much, and oh, there's a reason I, yes, for this. because rivers flow off of something Right. Else. I so see what it's you mean. more like mostly or completely enclosed bodies mm-hmm. of water. So basically when there are really strong winds or another force like changes in atmospheric pressure or an earthquake that push the water all to one end of like one side of like picture a lake right so say a wind or an earthquake or something pushes all the water Mm -hmm. in one direction well whenever that force stops the water rebounds to the other side and then sloshes back and forth so basically um, like, you can see it in a cup of water. If you sort of mm-hmm. jiggle a cup of water, you see it go splash back and forth. Yeah, except in a giant in lake. In a lake. Yeah, yeah. That, that would not be fun. Right, exactly. So it can actually be really destructive, and it can last for hours or even days, depending on the magnitude of the force that was working on it. So um, apparently they're pretty common in Lake Erie, which oh, I found okay. interesting. But at any rate, a seish was observed in Lago Panhuipui. Lake Panhuipui. If there okay. was a, if we had a winter's bell, I would have ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Which was outside of Valdivia, again, from this earthquake. So, water sloshing. It destroyed a pier and killed two people. I can see so that. So, the seish was yeah. pretty significant. No shit. Now, with all of the subterranean activity the earthquake caused, it is also thought that this earthquake led to the volcanic eruption of Puyuhe Cordon Cayuye, <laughs> a volcano a bit southeast of Valdivia. So it erupted on May 24th, two days after the earthquake, and continued... What the fuck? I like, know. Like, how many natural disasters <laughs> can you throw into... This is a lot. This is a lot. Holy shit. It just goes shit. to show you that when something happens to the Earth... Yeah, how sensitive it's, it is. Everything gets... Yes, everything gets affected. And of course this caused that volcano. Right? All that all that force Well, like I said, it's mostly thought yeah. that's what it was. But it continued erupting in various intensities until July 22nd. So basically, like, two months. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a proper emergency response plan, again, in the region around the volcano, and because it's located in a relatively remote area anyway, there were no casualties. So again, good emergency response, remote area. It, this is actually like a perfect storm of 
good conditions. Yeah, actually, in this yes. Earthquake. yes. Imagine if this has happened off the coast of San Francisco. Oh, millions. Yeah. Millions gone. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. So, and if it had hit, if it had that much magnitude in San Francisco, that would have gone all up and down the West Coast yeah. at not much of a lesser magnitude and killed millions more people. And unfortunately, from what I understand, they're thinking that will happen at some point. Oh yeah, the it will. San Andreas Fault. It, it will. This is a matter of time. Yeah. So in the end, the overall death toll is a big range, as I said sure. in the beginning. Consensus seems to be somewhere in the 500 to 6,000 ballpark. Yes, that's a huge ballpark. Um, but we're dealing with an earlier time, less technology, more remote locations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But given the absolute magnitude of this earthquake and the tsunami, even the high end of this estimate is really low. It's not low. that bad. No. Yeah. Anyway, you considering cut it. you went through three natural disasters. Yeah. In one go. Four. Four. Technically, because there's the well, no earthquake, tsunami. Seish, oh, volcanic and eruption, yeah. and landslides. Five. Oh, shit. Yeah, Jesus, you're right. Yeah. That's five. Fuck. I mean, to various degrees. Like, we're just going to throw... Earth was just like, we're just going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Earth was like, fuck <laughs> you like, to fucking us. Fucking shit. I know. <laughs> that, is, yep. that is their mission statement, I believe. <laughs> fuck you fuck to us. Fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, part of the reason that this death toll is actually not as high proportionate to how bad all of this was, is that it was a, a less populated region. If you imagine if this had, like I said, if this had happened in a place with enormous infrastructure, the oh, damage would have been, been worse. If there had been millions of people living along the coast, again, same thing, it would have been much worse. Um, or imagine if it was off the coast of Rio or something oh, shit, like that, that oh, just on the other what, side. What were there, like so, 25 million people in I, I Rio? I don't remember. Something but, like that? So, wow. and, and now, not to minimize this at all, this was still devastating to this region. So I'm not trying to say that, like, this was somehow good. Obviously, this was terrible, and everybody in and around Valdivia was horribly impacted. And that's why this is called the Valdivia earthquake often because Valdivia was the hardest hit town. Mm -hmm. About 40% of the houses in the area were destroyed. So like 20,000 people were left homeless. And the tsunami also had um, pretty severe effects in farming on farming in the area. So trigger warning for animals, lots of livestock were killed, lots of animals. So yeah. And this is a rural area, so they relied really heavy. Yeah, so clearly the economic impact was severe as well. Um, Always is with a natural disaster. Yes. And then just put four more on top of it. (sighs) Jesus. I didn't even bother trying to add up the amount of damage that they said it did because of the translation of dollars. and, And we're talking about such different economically countries like you can't even translate that and we're also talking about five natural disasters rolled into a couple of days so i think people i mean it also it almost sounds something out of like a fiction novel like a like a science fiction novel almost like all this shit happened and it led to the you know wipe out of humanity but Mm -hmm. it it didn't it didn't it not even close shockingly small impact proportionate to the severity of it yeah but still i mean it's Mm mm-hmm so yep. I, I think people have a pretty good idea of, like, the, the amount of destruction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you can't even think about it, almost. Like, right. there's no... Right. Like, like your, mind even... can't, your mind can't go there. Yep. 
so yeah, the the warning systems in place in other countries, the sheer amount of time it took the tsunamis to reach, there was ample warning time. Even in spite of how quickly it was traveling, it just had to go so far to reach anywhere else that there was time to implement emergency response and and proper plans. And for the most part, it worked. It worked for a lot of people in a lot of places. Not everyone, like the 61 dead in Hawaii, but still, even though, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. So the 1960 earthquake caused the formation of a government committee in Chile tasked to respond to the aftermath of the earthquake. 14 years later, in 1974, it became the Oficina Nacional de Emergencia del Ministerio del Interior. Wow, <gasps> holy shit. Wasn't that good? That was, that was very impressive. I was like, maybe if I just say it fast, it'll be easier. Or ONEMI, or O-N-E-M-I, which is translates to the National Office of Emergency of the Interior Ministry. So it started as a government. Of course it does. (laughs) It started as a government agency and then became an actual branch of the government. And they um, are designed to prevent and respond to natural disasters in Chile. So, so that's good that it created Uh, a whole branch of government for that. That they automatically have people constantly working on response and. Yeah. Now I'm not. I'm going to have a little thing after this, but there is a salacious story to tell surrounding this disaster and i'm going to trigger warning it now and i'll trigger warn it later human sacrifice so um there was an interesting response to this earthquake by a portion a faction of an indigenous people group in chile so um these people so it was one faction of the mapuche people so the mapuche are a group of indigenous people in south-central Chile, parts of Argentina. And by indigenous, I mean they have been in this area for like five or 600 BCE. Like that, like, five or so 600 talking, generations. Yes, exactly. So, so like tw- almost 3,000 years, basically. That is known, like archaeological evidence shows. So th- this is a genuinely indigenous people group. Now, part of the religious beliefs of the Mapuche involves a type of healer, a shaman sort of called the Machi. Now I could not find any reference to this practice at any other time by the Mapuche, but apparently after the earthquake and maybe because it was so significant and so devastating, I don't know, a Machi. So one of the shaman in a very small isolated village in the region her name was Juana Namuncura Anyen, said that in order to appease the earth, they, meaning the Mapuches, in this little faction, this little group of Mapuches, um, needed to carry out a human sacrifice. I was kind of thinking it was going to go there, but okay. So I'm going to major trigger warning this, if you have any sensitivity about children. Um so uh, skip and, ahead a little bit. And also don't watch the movie uh, The Green Inferno. Okay. So they took... I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so they took a five-year-old boy named Jose Luis Painecor, and his grandfather participated in all this. Um, they removed his arms and legs, and they stuck him in the sand on the beach like a stake. Um, this was all discovered by local authorities. They got charged. The two men uh, who per- who were known to have actually done that to this boy. 
Um, they, including the boy's grandfather, uh, they spent two years in jail and then were released because a judge said that they, quote, acted without free will, driven by an irresistible natural force of ancestral tradition. Um, I so, think that's a fair judgment. I will say take that however you like. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stay out of it. I don't want either thing to happen. Um, so, anyway, anyway. So we're yeah. going to move on from that. Yes, we will. I didn't want to end on a horribly morbid story, but here's something really interesting. In February 2010, there was another earthquake in the region, just north of the epicenter of the 1960 earthquake 50 years prior. And it is thought that this 2010 earthquake was potentially a result of stress buildup from the 1960 earthquake. In other words, this was a very, very late aftershock. 50 years later. And that, my friends, was the story of the Valdivia earthquake. Wow. Um, So we covered... Uh, five different mm-hmm. natural natural disasters in that one. Basically. Rolled into one episode. Yeah. Holy shit. It's just... You know... Like, anyone who thinks we have, quote, dominion over the Earth, it's just... Oh, I didn't show you more pictures. Sorry, there's other pictures. But, I mean, these are the sad pictures. This is the aftermath pictures. Uh, yeah, that's about what I expected. Yeah. No shit. <clears throat> that's in Chile specifically. Mm-hmm. Wow, there were crazy. pictures, plenty of pictures of Hawaii too, because that was badly damaged as well. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. We we got a we got a very 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 much lesser version of that on our way to Roanoke. Oh, the water, <laughs> yeah, the flooding, <laughs> yeah. But that was still kind of crazy. I can't imagine like that coming at us, right? Like it was on the side of us, right? Yeah. Uh huh. That's that's the the thing about these natural disasters that's so interesting is just like in the end like we can be as smart as we think we can be and we're never going to outsmart the earth. No. And this shit. The only know? thing the only thing we can do is what they're doing now with earthquake technology with buildings. Oh, there's plenty of t- t- yes, good technology. Certainly and since stuff. 1960, but even yes. since 1989, mm-hmm. like the San Francisco mm-hmm. one. Now what they are designing buildings to do is move with it. Right. So in- not to be too of, rigid. Well, instead of trying to fight it, because you're not going to win. Right. You're just not. So you need to avoid collapse. Exactly, is the main thing. You just yeah. need to roll with it. Yeah, you'll have a little bit of internal damage, but the building itself will stay. But intact. here's the thing: like I get that, and that's the thing is that, like, as I was doing the research, I found a lot of um, literature that was saying, in the case of these coastal earthquakes, the earthquake is not the worst part of it. Hell no, it is the tsunami. Yeah. And there is literally only so much you can do about that. I mean, that's what caused, again, to bring it up, the the 04 tsunami. It started as an earthquake, like, in the middle of the ocean. Yep. Yep. And the thing is, like, in the case of, like, Hawaii, they had hours Mm -hmm. of warning. But say it happens, I guess it's just if you are in a coastal area and there is an earthquake, get away from the fucking coast. I think nowadays that's just the given. Like, get to higher ground as soon as you can. Immediately, like, right away. Yeah. Yeah. 
And now they have all sorts of stuff. Um, like I remember watching a lot of stuff about the O Force and now I mean now what they have like in the middle of the ocean all over the place mm-hmm. are these like digitized buoys. Uh, so if an earthquake does happen like two thousand miles offshore where uh-huh. there's nobody, uh-huh. it can be detected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and right, like maybe nobody's going to feel the tremor. But no, they're yeah. not going to feel it for a while, and nobody's even going to know it even happened. Mm-hmm. But these sensors will pick it up. Right. So it'll give people, yeah. amp- like, oh, maybe heading this way. But and I the, just... and the, the tsunami that hit Japan in 2010, 11? Mm. Um, my mom was in Hawaii when that happened, mm-hmm. and the tsunami sirens went off for that. Oh, wow. And they said they, she was like, nothing really happened. She was yeah. like, there was a little bit of flooding. But by yeah. the time it made its way to Hawaii... It just wasn't No, it had kind of much. fizzled out, but... But they had the warning there. She was like, yeah. She was like, everybody knew what that siren meant. And knew like, to we're not going to the beach. get their ass up yeah. the mountain uh-huh. as high as they can get. Yeah. That's just the thing, like, I guess because I was, I was raised evangelical. And there's a really shitty bend in a lot of um, conservative Christianity about... Especially towards Earth. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. It's about, like, we're supposed to dominate the Earth. And it's like, really? Well, good fucking luck fighting an earthquake while wow, this is all going to come through. You don't have to put it back in order. I'm sorry. That all makes noise on the mic. Oh, well. <laughs> it's not It's not like we're uh, paid professionals by CBS Broadcasting now, <laughs> No, but I was talking. I I'm sorry. And um, I was listening. <laughs> No, I lost my train of thought. No. And, like, the... It's like, yeah, good fucking luck showing dominion over an earth Earth. that can snap your neck like that. Not happening. Like, fuck you. Fuck any human who thinks that we have any say over the earth. Except for the worst, right? We cause climate change. We cause horrible things to happen to us. We don't help anything. That's only going to affect us. Earth's still going to be here. Fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the... Anyway, that's that's going down another right. road. It's, we don't need to go down. But uh, this is... It's a bad one, huh? This is the craziest fucking disaster I've ever heard. It's, it's fascinating. It is, yeah. I mean, all this shit can happen from one event. The, just the ripple effect of one thing. Of literally underneath all of us right now. Are these plates that there are, are layers that are moving. Of the, of the cr- uh, crust of the earth. That yes, they're moving, and any time they could just mm-hmm. and kill a million people. Yeah, like like that, or cause a gigantic tsunami, mm-hmm. or do, who the fuck knows? And a landslide, and yeah. a volcano, and, and a seiche, and a seiche. Which now we I know a seiche. Didn't even know what that was until mm-hmm. a half hour ago. But wow! All right, crazy episode. So <laughs> that was the Valdivia earthquake. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. And... Know your exits. Up. Up. In the case of a tsunami. Up. Higher ground.